may be around the world and thank you for your company once again on truthtoyou.org that's truth number two letter u.org joining me is the director of education and counseling for jews for judaism in canada the website is jewsforjudaism.ca jewsforjudaism.ca welcome back to the program rabbi michael skoback i missed you john <laughs> i missed you not only did i miss you but everybody misses you you know there are people around the world that have collapsed on the floor are shaking back and forth in cold sweats saying when's the next program coming out <laughs> they are because we left them high and dry in the middle of daniel we got we, we've been doing daniel now for i don't know what four or five weeks this is uh uh daniel chapter nine that we're in and uh, we got up to uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, I do believe. We touched briefly on 26, but we're going to get into that further today. Before we do, you need to really, I think you need to bring everybody back up to speed and do a bit of a recap because so much has gone on in the book of Daniel since we started looking at this. Yeah, this is actually, you know, it, you have to really, I think, uh, spend some serious time trying to work your way through this chapter. So uh, let's try and... Uh, just briefly summarize what we did mm. previously. Um, we really examined two claims on this list of uh, alleged messianic prophecies um, from Daniel 9. We've done two of them, and basically we found them to have come up short, actually extremely short. Um, so the first was from verse 24, and the claim is that Daniel is told here by the angel, uh, this is the angel Gabriel, that the Messiah would come to make an end to sins and that Jesus fulfilled this. That's the, the claim is that, that Daniel was told the Messiah would come to make an end to sin and that this is exactly what Jesus did. So first of all, you know, we should just realize that if you read verse 24, it doesn't say that the Messiah would come to make an end to sin. What it says is that 490 years or 70 weeks of years have been decreed upon the people of Israel and upon the temple in Jerusalem as a period of time that would have to pass before the messianic prophecies of restoration and redemption could be fulfilled. And the angel basically describes six elements to this restoration. The angel says that the 70 weeks of years, these 490 weeks of years, have been decreed um, to ultimately lead to the termination of transgression, the end of sin, the wiping away of iniquity, mm -hmm. bringing everlasting righteousness, sealing vision and profit, and the anointing of the Holy of Holies. What's clear is that none of these things was fulfilled or accomplished during the time of Jesus. And it's really the same thing we've seen in several other prophecies um, that are supposed to happen when the Messiah comes. We we have seen other prophecies that when the Messiah comes, there'll be an ingathering of the exiles, the reuniting of the tribes of Israel and the tribes of Judah. Um, there'll be world peace, meaning that none of the things that the Bible says will happen when the Messiah comes took place, happened at the time of Jesus. And of course, that's, mm -hmm. that's what sort of forces Christianity to propose the need for a second coming, meaning the whole doctrine of the second coming is a, just a very... Uh, it's, it's a clear admission that Jesus didn't fulfill what was supposed to happen in his first coming. Um, so this first uh, prophecy fulfilled on this list of from Daniel 9.24 is simply an example of, number one, it, it's not about the Messiah, and number two, it wasn't fulfilled. Um, so that's important. We'll get back to these 70 weeks a little bit later tonight. The second claim that we looked at was that the angel revealed to Daniel in verse 25 
the exact day on which the Messiah would be announced to his people. And the claim is made that it was on this very day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and was welcomed by the crowds. Mm -hmm. So in the previous broadcast, what we did was to outline numerous very serious problems with this claim. And uh, we're going to have to be very brief because it would take us three weeks to recap everything. <laughs> um, so just very briefly, the most serious problem with their reading of uh, verse 25 um, is that the verse really is misunderstood by them to be speaking about the Messiah. It doesn't really say the Messiah. It speaks about a anointed, anointed ruler. ruler. Mm -hmm. um, so it speaks, they, they're claiming that it speaks about the Messiah who would come 483 years after a decree regarding the restoration of Jerusalem. So that's how they read verse 25. The mm -hmm. error is based upon, their, their, their error really is based upon a misreading of what the angel actually explained to Daniel. The angel really speaks of an anointed ruler, a Mashiach Nagid, who would come after a period of seven weeks of years, which is 49 years. So th this anointed ruler doesn't come after 483 years, it comes after 49 years. And then the angel says that following this, Jerusalem's going to be built up, but in very troubled times, for a period of 62 weeks of years, which is 434 years. Now, what the Christological misreading of this passage ignores is that there are two separate periods of time. They, they ignore the fact that there are these two separate periods of time, and what they do, instead of seeing two separate periods of time, a period of the 49 years after which an anointed ruler comes, and then a period of 62 weeks during which the temple is rebuilt, they run these two periods of time together. They ignore the, the anointed ruler who's going to come after 49 years, totally ignore that one, and they see this as pointing to an anointed one who comes after 483 years. So again, what the passage actually speaks of is an anointed ruler who would come after 49 years, not someone who comes after 483 years. Um, now, we discussed several reasons why the missionary reading here, the Christological reading, is totally impossible, but we're not going to go into all those reasons here again. Otherwise, this Daniel project might take us 70 weeks of years right. to <laughs> so, so. Just to let everybody know, uh, now on truthtoyou.org, if you go there, on the top menu bar, you'll see the heading 365 Messianic Prophecies. If you click on that, it will give you all of the programs that we have done thus far. And uh, we are now, uh, by the way, as we, as we continue to investigate the alleged 365 Messianic prophecies in the Tanakh that Jesus supposedly filled in the New Testament, on the original list, Michael, we're up to number 310 now. Wow. We're rounding, the, rounding the curve here, rounding the we, corner. We sure are. We sure are. We're getting, we're getting close. So, again, the problem number one is that the, 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 the verse 25 is basically butchered by the, the Christian reading here by... Mm ignoring the messianic ruler who comes after 49 years and making this person come after 483 years. The second major problem uh, with this reading that they have of verse 25 is simply that their calculations don't work out at all, meaning that, um, you know, we'll forget about their claim that this verse nails the exact day that Jesus rode into mm. Jerusalem. Um, they don't even get close to the year. 
Um, I mean, the, the claim that, that, that this passage identifies the exact day is just absurd. Um, mm. There's nothing at all that anyone can, can find in terms of dates in the Bible. Um, so years is the best they can do. And we saw that their, calcu- their calculations uh, don't even get close to the year of Jesus coming into Jerusalem mm-hmm. at the end of his life. What they do um, is they choose an arbitrary starting date for their calculations that we saw was not the actual starting date. We'll get to this in a few minutes. But they, they, they get their chance to choose the date that they want to use. But even using their own starting date, which they chose to be 444 before the Common Era, 444 BCE, mm-hmm. there the, the 483rd year comes out to the year 39 CE, which mm-hmm. is obviously not close at all to the Passion Week of Jesus. And we discussed uh, in previous episodes the way that the clumsy way that they try to fudge this calculation. They have to shave off five days of each year. They've got to somehow make up for about six years, uh, six to ten years, basically. Mm. They have to somehow uh, adjust, (laughs) make an adjustment. Um, Now, that's even given their choice of starting date. Um, now, we also mentioned that aside from their poor choice of what day to use as the starting date of this chronology of 483 years, we also saw there was a problem with the actual dating system that was used altogether. And that means the following. What they used was a non-Jewish understanding of Jewish history that places the destruction of the first temple in the year 586 before the Common Era. And that would have the decree of Artaxeres to rebuild the temple um, at, again, 444 before the Common Era. Mm -hmm. However, according to Jewish sources, the temple was destroyed in 423 BCE, and Artaxeres' decree would have been in 335 BCE, in which case, using uh, this dating system, the Jewish dating system, the date that they would have for the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem would be in the year 148 of the Common Era. That's mm-hmm. clearly way, way off. Um, but that's a problem, meaning that using the uh, acceptable, standard, historical, traditional Jewish dating system uh, really messes up the calculations um, that are used here. So mm-hmm. they really have two problems. Problem number one is they're using really a non-Jewish dating system, and number two, they're using the incorrect dates. Um, Now, why is it that we can feel more confident with the Jewish, traditional Jewish dating system? I think I I made reference to to an article in a book in the previous uh, session that we did, but let me just make one more observation. You know, aside from the obvious fact that Jews kept meticulous records of their history, and we could probably assume that they have more credibility about their own history than outsiders and non-Jewish sources, Mm. but there are actually scriptural indications to verify our version of history. Why is that? Because the secular dating, when you study the way in which secular historians arrived at this 586 BCE date for the destruction of the temple... Um, it's based upon the assumption that there were at least 10 kings that ruled in Persia during the time of their worldwide dominance. Uh, They somehow stretched this period of time, assuming that the Persians had 10 kings that ruled over the time where they basically were controlling the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Jewish sources maintain that there were half that many kings, 
and you can actually find this in Scripture. You'll go to Daniel chapter 11, verses 1 to 2, and it tells you that there'll be basically four, maximum five kings of Persia who will rule. So you see here, at least in the Bible, uh, some indication that the Jewish method of counting the years is probably more correct than the non-Jewish version, at least if you're mm -hmm. concerned about what the scriptures say. Mm. Now, to just move on, the timeline that was revealed to Daniel in verse 25, what was that timeline? So we saw that it was a timeline to reassure him about when his people would return to the land of Israel to rebuild the temple. That was basically the context of the chapter, of chapter 9. And we saw that the starting date proposed by the, the Christological readings, the starting date of 444 BCE, would not have been accessible to Daniel, meaning that Daniel was seeking clarity. The angel came to tell him, I'm going to give you clarity. I'm going to help you understand these sort of mysterious prophecies of Jeremiah that are troubling you and that are, that are confusing you. And the angel said, I'm going to make everything clear to you. I'm going to make you totally understand what is going on in terms of these prophecies that Jeremiah predicted 70 years of Babylon. And so the starting date that, um, that Christians use to figure out these uh, 70 weeks of years really is a starting date that Daniel would have no access to because it starts about 35 years after this encounter with the angel. Mm. Meaning that this, uh, their, their choice, again, of the decree of Artaxeres to restore Jerusalem was in 444 BCE. That was 35 years away. And the problem is that Daniel would have no idea when this decree would even be made, meaning that as far as mm. Daniel was concerned, it could happen in 100 years or 500 years. Daniel doesn't know when this decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is going to be made. All he's told is that from that decree, you're going to count a certain number of years until an anointed prince is going to come. So the mm. problem is that according to the Christological reading of this passage, they have a, a starting date for the chronology and the calculations that doesn't do Daniel any good. And he would walk out of his encounter with the angel not having any clarity, not feeling any better about understanding when the Jews are going to go back to Israel because it could be in centuries. So what we analyzed previously um, is that when we understand the actual starting date, it has to be from a time, a point in time, prior to Daniel's confrontation, his meeting with this angel. Meaning that when the angel gives him a starting date to start counting from, it has to be a starting date that Daniel has access to, which means it had to have been a point in time that happened already. And then mm. Daniel can start counting from that time that he knows mm -hmm. about. Uh, and we saw that the starting date was from the destruction of the temple. Mm. And we saw that in the text itself, in chapter 9, verse 2, and there were other clues that that's the actual starting date. Because since Daniel is praying about when the temple is going to be rebuilt, the starting date is from the time the temple was destroyed. So with this understanding that the chronology that the angel gives begins from the destruction of the temple, we can understand verse 25. The angel says that 49 years after the destruction of the temple, an anointed ruler would appear on the scene. Now, we yep. know that this was the Persian king Cyrus, who in the following year, meaning literally in the year following Daniel's encounter with the angel here, meaning that, that Daniel's wondering, worrying, when are we going to go back? The, the mm. angel's basically saying, look, it's around the corner. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in the year following this encounter with the angel, Cyrus is going to come to power because the Persians are going to conquer and take over the Babylonian Empire. Mm-hmm. And when Cyrus comes to power, he's going to allow the Jews to return to their land. And returning to the land is exactly what Daniel was praying about in his very long prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Mm. Now, this reading, this is very important for, for people studying the chapter. This reading is confirmed in Isaiah's chapter, Isaiah chapters 44 and 45, which speak about Cyrus specifically as being God's anointed one, God's Messiah. And specifically, God's Messiah who would send the Jewish people back to their land. And again, there are parallel passages, not just here in Isaiah 44 and 45, but also in Ezra chapter 1 and in Second Chronicles chapter 36. Both talk about the fact that Cyrus would be the one to fulfill Jeremiah's prophecy of 70 years of Babylon for the Jews to return to their land. So we really have a very neat and clean understanding of verse 25, um, and it obviously has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. Um, Now, we're going to try and start to move on from verse 25. So basically, chapter 9, verse 25 is speaking about an anointed ruler who would come 49 years after the temple's destruction, Mm -hmm. and so therefore it's obviously not speaking about Jesus because, number one, Jesus was never anointed. Number two, Jesus was never a ruler. And number three, Jesus came 400 years after the temple was destroyed, not 49 years later. So Mm -hmm. verse 25, we basically can dispense with. Now, the angel came to tell Daniel more than when the people would return to their land to rebuild a temple. That's what Daniel was looking for. Daniel wanted to know, so when are we going back? In the the angel's revelation, uh, he gives Daniel more news, and it's not all good. Um, The angel spoke about a period of 490 years and told Daniel that after going back to Jerusalem, the city would be rebuilt, but it would exist in very difficult times. So it's not Mm going to be a pleasant uh, history after the building of the second temple. And in verse 26, he will tell Daniel that at the end of this period of time, the temple is going to be destroyed and an anointed will be cut off. So the 490 years, when you look at that as a period of time, stretches from the destruction of the first temple. We know that there was 70 years in Babylon as an exile. So there are 70 years. And then the second temple is built, which lasts for 420 years. So the period from the destruction of the first temple until the destruction of the second temple is 490 years. And that's what the angel tells Daniel, that this period of 490 years has been decreed upon the Jewish people and upon the city of Jerusalem as a time during which they might be able to merit the fulfillment of the promises of messianic redemption that are described in verse 24. That's very important to understand what this period of 490 years is. And what the angel is basically telling Daniel is that the people needed to be purified of their sins during this period of 490 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the main sins that needed to be rectified was the transgression of not properly observing the sabbatical years. And you can see Mm -hmm. this partially from the fact that the angel used language that was very reminiscent of the sabbatical years because he doesn't say 
that a period of 490 years has been decreed upon your people and city. But he's, he's talking in sevens. Right. He says 70 Sabbaths or 70 sevens. Mm. So that alludes to these, this institution of the sabbatical year. And the Bible tells us in Leviticus that if we don't observe the sabbatical years properly, the land itself will have to be uh, recompensed, to have to be paid back mm. uh, for, this, for this transgression. So what the angel says, and this is very critical for understanding the entire chapter of Daniel 9, is that this period of 490 years is going to be a very difficult time of suffering for the purpose of purging the sins of the people. And that if they could use this time correctly and purify themselves, all the promises of verse 24 could take place at the end of these 490 years. So what emerges, and this is a subtle point, is that the messianic age can begin right after the second temple is destroyed. Because the 490 years ends with that event. And what the mm -hmm. angel tells Daniel is that God is decreeing a period of 490 years upon your people in order to accomplish, to be able to accomplish these incredible things, the ending of sin and, and ultimate righteousness and, re and anointing the Holy of Holies. All mm -hmm. that can happen as soon as the second temple is destroyed, if, that's the big caveat, if mm. the people actually purify themselves during this period of time. Now, this directly contradicts one of the major claims that Christians make, which is they constantly claim that the Messiah has to come before the destruction of the second temple. In point of fact, it's only after the destruction that the possibility of the Messiah coming is possible. It's one of the reasons, by the way, that the rabbis teach that the Messiah is born on the day that the temple was destroyed, meaning that the possibility of the Messiah coming uh, begins with the destruction of the temple. And of course, mm -hmm. if the Jewish people don't actualize the potential of those 490 years, the arrival of the Messiah can be postponed until they do get their act together. Now, just one little PS before we go on. Um, the angel says that this period of 70 weeks of years is decreed upon your people and the temple. Now, the Christian reading of Daniel 9 basically takes it completely out of this context, meaning in the way Christians understand these 490 years, it really has very little to do with the Jewish people specifically and the temple specifically. Um, for them, it's really speaking about, uh, you know, almost in replacement uh, theology terms, mm. a whole different ballgame. Uh, you know, in the scheme of things, uh, you know, the Jewish people in, in the Christian scheme of things have either been replaced by the church completely, or we really uh, don't have all that much of a place in the, the, the history of the world anymore. Um, you know, this prophecy in Daniel was directed exclusively to the people of Israel and their temple. Um, and it doesn't really have to do that much with the temple at all in Christian terms, again, unless you take their interpretation that Jesus replaces the temple. But there's nothing mm. in Daniel which really hints at the fact that, you know, some person's going to replace the temple. Um, so what I wanted to start now was looking at the next two claims that are made on this list that we're analyzing. Um, they really should be one claim because one speaks about it's the Messiah. It's a bit of double up, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think it's it's like a hiccup here. Um, yeah. One says the Messiah is to be killed, and one says the Messiah is to be killed before the destruction of the temple. So let's roll those into one. 
and say mm-hmm. that the next prediction uh, they're counting it as two is that based upon verse 26 uh, in Daniel chapter 9, the Messiah is to be killed before the destruction of the temple. Okay. And that's uh, meant to be a, a messianic prophecy fulfilled. Now, it's interesting, while, while you were just talking, I'm looking at the study notes in my Christian translation, the New King James uh, Nelson Study Bible, and on verse 26, it says, Messiah shall be cut off, may, now this is an interesting choice of words, maybe, maybe a reference to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The phrase cut off means to destroy or to kill. The fact that Jesus Christ died not for himself, but for uh, the sins of the world may support the view that the Messiah in this verse refers to Jesus himself. Interesting that their study notes aren't, uh, they don't seem entirely convinced. Yeah, they're hedging their bets here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they're, they're a little bit less certain than the list that we're analyzing. That's right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'd be curious as to why they are sort of uh, reticent to come out and make a full uh, statement here. Um, mm. But it's interesting. I think that it's interesting. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, again, one of the things that we discussed previously was that if this really was a messianic prophecy, you would have expected it to be in the New Testament. Um, mm. So maybe that's why they're balking, because there's no support there's for this there. claim. But it's interesting. I, 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 I'm impressed by their honesty there. Okay, so uh, we're going to try and get into verse 26 now, but... As I mentioned before, it's going to be important for us to point out that the Christian reading of the whole passage here engages in a bit of misdirection. You know, if you ever see magicians, um, you know, they'll misdirect your attention so that you don't notice uh, really what's a going on. bit of trickery on. in the text. Well, th- th- there's a little bit of misdirection here. I'll try to explain why. Mm-hmm. Basically, what's happening here in the Christian reading of these passages is that they're looking at a timeline of 69 weeks of years, or 483 years. That's really what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that they count from their own chosen but very incorrect starting date, and from that date they count 483 years, and they try to arrive at the Passion Week. Um, this is the year that Jesus allegedly comes into Jerusalem, and the year in which he's killed. Mm-hmm. So that's really what they've been looking at. Their, their calculations have been basically, you know, ba- basically focusing on a period of 483 years. However, the angel that first comes to Daniel doesn't say that a period of 69 weeks of years has been decreed. The angel speaks about a period of 70 weeks of years. So, the important question is what happens to the 70th week in the Christian reading of Daniel? Mm. Where is the 70th week? So, there are basically two ways in which Christians understand the 70th week or the last seven years of the period of 490 years. And both of the views have it disconnected from the other 69 weeks of years. You know, what we're going to see is that from the Christian readings of Daniel, the 490 years are not contiguous. They're broken up. Um, the v- first view I'm going to mention is, I think, a view that is held by a minority. I don't think that many evangelicals uh, have this perspective, but I think a minority of evangelicals would say that the 70th week was fulfilled with destruction of the second temple. And the problem here is that the destruction of the second temple took place 40 years after Jesus was crucified. Now, verse 26 
very clearly says that an anointed will be cut off at the same time that the temple will be destroyed. It doesn't speak about a gap between the cutting off of the anointed and the destruction of the temple. They happen really at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus was killed five and a half weeks of years, meaning 35 years approximately, or 40 years actually. 40 years would be about five and a half weeks of years before the destruction of the temple. Mm-hmm. And what the verse doesn't say, what it really it should have said from a Christian reading, at least according to this first Christian reading, is that an anointed one will be cut off, and that five and a half weeks later, the temple would be destroyed. So here you have a problem just in terms of how to understand this period of 490 years. What some Christians do is to um, read the ending of this 490 years with the destruction of the temple, um, but then they have a problem with the way they read verse 26 because there's a gap of 40 Mm. years that are not accounted for. Now, I think that this is not the way most Christians uh, understand the 70th week. Um, My reading of Christian commentaries seems to show that most evangelicals see the 70th week being fulfilled just prior to the second coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, here, there's a gap of about 2,000 years and possibly much more between the 69th week and the 70th week. Now, of course, the text in Daniel doesn't present the 70th week as separated from the other 69 weeks by either 40 years or 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so in these Christian readings, both of these Christian readings, the original statement of the angel that a period of 490 years being decreed is really meaningless. Let me share with you uh, and with the listeners an analogy that I saw from Rabbi Yisrael Chaim Blumenthal. He says, the angel's declaration about 490 years is like someone telling their friend that it's 50 miles from New York to Los Angeles. When the friend says that that's ridiculous, he's told, well, I'm sure you realize that there's a huge gap between the 49th and the 50th mile. <laughs> so w- when you say that, the, the original statement is meaningless, that to say that that's there's right. 50 miles between New York and Los Angeles is really <laughs> meaningless when that's not really what's meant. And so the, the, the Christian readings have a tough time with the angel's pronouncement that a period of 490 contiguous years have been decreed upon the Jewish people and upon the temple. Mm. Now, I want to point out a few more problems with the Christian reading of verse 26 before we try to understand what it says. Um, it speaks about an anointed one, an anointed, being cut off. The Hebrew word is yikarate. It's an unusual term because it doesn't use here one of the normal words in Hebrew for being killed, uh, you know, or being mm. slain. I mean, you have many words in Hebrew um, that could have been used for someone that's killed. But here it uses the word karet, yikarate. And in the Tanakh, this term karet is used exclusively for the demise of wicked people, for people who commit the most serious and heinous transgressions. So one thing we know about the anointed one who's cut off in verse 26 is that he's certainly not a righteous person. Um, That might present some difficulties for Christians who insist that it's Jesus being the one cut off in verse 26. Hmm. Another problem with uh, the Christian reading of verse 26 is that most Christian translations, the ones that I've consulted, uh, I think that you just read it in your New King James, uh, renders Yikarate Mashiach ve'ain lo 
as the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. That's how they read these words, ve'en lo, and not for himself. And this translation really comes to support the Christological idea that Jesus didn't die for himself, but he died as a vicarious sacrifice for Mm -hmm. others. Meaning that by saying, and he was cut off, but not for himself, the implication is, but he was cut off for others. Mm-hmm. The problem is ve'en lo does not mean not for himself. Um, ve'en lo, there are a couple of ways it could be rendered. One would be that he'll have nothing. He'll be and cut have, off. And have nos, right. Have nothing. Or you mm. could really, you could read it as saying he'll be cut off and will be no more. Or he'll, will exist, he'll exist no longer. Mm-hmm. Ve'en lo, he, w- he won't be. But there's no way of reading this phrase as not for himself. It's just uh, really it's it's a, a twisting of the of the Hebrew um, in order to really uh, allow for a Christological understanding of what happens to this anointed one. Mm-hmm. So who is the anointed one that is cut off in verse 26? So there are actually several possibilities. Um, Rashi and others will insist that the one that's cut off here is Agrippa, who was the last Jewish king. Uh, that was reigning before the temple was destroyed. Mm-hmm. He is the, and we know that Jewish kings are anointed, or they're called anointed ones. Mm-hmm. And in this verse, so we know that after uh, the demise of Agrippa, um, the prince who is described in this verse as coming is basically the Roman Titus, who would then destroy the temple. So the anointed one here is cut off. And just at the same period of time, the temple is destroyed. Another way of reading this passage is that, and by the way, it could theoretically refer to both. Um, But another way of reading it is that the anointed that's cut off is the high priest who was serving before the temple was destroyed. We know, by the way, that the high priests at that time were mostly Sadducees. And they were certainly wicked. It was usually a um, bribe that was the, the Romans were bribed in order for someone to achieve the office of high priest. Um, so the, the they were, they were last certainly not of the they were not of the uh, uh, the correct lineage uh, in order to hold the office. Is that fair to say? They may have been actually from the priestly line. Um, I don't know that they weren't actually priests, but. Um, we oh, don't no, they, they, they would have been priests, but, uh, but we understand that a high priest must be, uh, of course, uh, not just from Aaron, not just from Eleazar, not just from uh, Pinchas, uh, but through Zadok, and, uh, and these ones uh, leading into this era, I don't believe were, if I remember correctly. I don't know, but what was important is that um, even if they were from the correct line, let's say they were, but mm. they were not people that were deserving of this office. They were not righteous people. They were, from a Jewish point of view, heretics, and mm-hmm. there certainly were people who basically achieved their office through bribery in many cases. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible uses the word here of karate to be cut off. Um, these are not noble people. And it could be referring, by the way, not just to the high priest that's cut off, because that's one way of reading it is that it could be talking about the high priest who was cut off and then the temple mm-hmm. destroyed. And of course, by the way, um, it doesn't have to be the, the killing of the high priest. It could simply mean that he's cut off from his job because mm. the temple is destroyed and then he'll have nothing, meaning that the Ain Lo would mean that he has nothing. Once the temple is destroyed, these corrupt priests have absolutely nothing. They're out of a job. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the high priest here is killed. It could 
It could simply mean that the high priest is cut off from his service mm -hmm. um, because the temple's going to be destroyed. And by the way, the, uh, the, the phrase, the anointed will be cut off, could refer to the entire priesthood that's cut off from the service in the temple when the temple's destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, so the, it, it's not 100% clear exactly who this is referring to, um, but that, that's basically the way uh, verse 26 is understood. And uh, I hope that, you know, with this, I guess, brief study of uh, Daniel chapter 9, uh, we've come to understand the, some of the major problems with this list that we've been analyzing in their mm. claims that Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies. And the people of the prince who is to come, you're saying is potentially Titus. Well, and, and his uh, armies, basically. And his that, armies that came and destroyed uh, the temple and pillaged all the, all the was, furnishings and was, so on and so forth. It was actually, first it was Vespasian who began the siege of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And then we know that Vespasian uh, was brought back to Rome to be the emperor. And so uh, Vespasian, I think it was his son Titus. Um, that took over and uh, ended up really con con concluding the siege by destroying the temple. Um, so the second, the second half of, of verse 26 is really just talking about that. It says, uh, the, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Uh, the end of it shall be with a flood. It's interesting, actually, that, that, that line, the end of it shall be with a flood. And I think of the Ark of Titus. And I think of uh, the way it is depicted that it's almost like uh, a flood of, of I, know, I know it's a flood of violence, but it's a flood of soldiers seem to have taken everything that destroyed the temple. Now there, there is because you see them carrying away the menorah in the freeze of the Ark of Titus. And it's a, like a wave of people that are now leaving with the uh, after pillaging it. Not just a wave of people leaving, by the way, but, you know, we know that the Romans were very, very ticked off with the Jewish people. I mean, they... Mm -hmm. they they really, you know, the Romans were basically able to uh, exert their control over their entire empire fairly easily. People didn't mess with the Romans. And, you know, the Jews kept on revolting. You know, in the year 66, the Jews launched this revolt against the Romans. And, you know, who else did that? What other people would have the audacity and the, the chutzpah, you know, mm. and, uh, to, to revolt against this superpower you know, this incredible superpower. Um, and so, you know, they, the Romans never really uh, took challenges to their domination lightly. And so they, they sent in a serious army to do the job here. Mm. Um, and then we know that, you know, there was a second revolt, I think, around the year 116. They had, they, again, they revolted. And then in 132, I think, they had the final revolt by Bar Kokhba. And yes. th that was really the end of it. And, you know, 135. That was the destruction, final destruction of everything. And mm. we were basically, we lost our independence uh, until the year 1948. Um, so the, the Romans, you know, they wanted to make sure they got the job done. So when Titus came, uh, he came with a very serious force. And they were brutal. They really were mm. brutal. I mean, they, uh, some estimates are that they might have, in the destruction of Jerusalem, some estimates are they killed about half of the Jewish people living in the land of Israel. They, some estimates were there are about two million people living in Israel. They may have murdered up to about a million. Wow. Um, so it was really, it was, it was. So the streets ran with blood. It was horrible. And, it says, and, and until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Is that just a way of saying, and it doesn't just stop at the temple. Uh, there are, 
uh, ongoing desolations um, that will occur uh, in this period of time. Is that basically it's, what that? I think it's out? a possible reading. You know, the, mm, some okay. of the some of the language here is obviously um, you know open for interpretation. Uh, it, it's 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 not an exact science in terms of how to read all these phrases, um, but I think that what it's trying to depict is you know basically an obliteration of this city, a destruction of the temple, a violent destruction of the temple in the city, and uh, you know that's really what happens. And the important thing to notice is that what it's very clearly saying is that th- this anointed one will be cut off and the city will be destroyed. They're basically said in the same breath. It doesn't say that there uh, will be a gap of 40 years between the cutting off of this anointed one and the destruction of the city. Um, you know, Daniel was was given uh, you know very precise timeline. You know, you know if you go to the next verse, it speaks about three and a half years. Um, mm. You know, so if there really was going to be a gap between the cutting off of the anointed and the destruction of the temple, um, it would have said, and the anointed Mm. will be cut off, and then after five and a half or five weeks of years, the temple will be destroyed. Mm. Um, So Mm. these two events are basically um, simultaneous. Um, And so for many reasons, and again, you have to remember that the Christological reading of these verses sees... The one that's cut off, the anointed one that's cut off in verse 26, as the very same person uh, that's described, the anointed ruler who comes in verse 25. You know, there are many reasons why we know that that's impossible. First of all, we know that the anointed ruler of verse 25 comes about 400 years before the anointed one that's cut off in verse 26. Mm -hmm. And secondly, Daniel himself describes them differently. The anointed uh, one in verse 25 is an anointed ruler, and the anointed in verse 26 is just an anointed. Now, that is what leads me to think that it may be referring not so much to Agrippa, who was the, uh, basically the king of Israel at that time, not a full king, but more referring to the high priest, um, because the high priest is not a ruler. And I mm. think that what Daniel does is distinguish between the anointed ruler of verse yeah. 25 and just an anointed in verse 26, which mm. would not be a ruler. Um, and that would be the high priest. That makes that makes a lot of sense. No, thank you for clarifying that. So that's verse 26. How about that? That takes us on the original list, takes us up to number 113. There's one more uh, for the book of Daniel, but we're going to leave that to next week. In fact, we're going to get through a whole lot in what is often referred to as the minor prophets. Uh, the smaller prophets, we're going to uh, get through those next week. But there we are. I think we've addressed at least uh, Daniel 9, chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 24, 25, 26, uh, as is highlighted on the list. Thank you, Rabbi Michael Scobay. Thank you, and it's been such a great time being with you again, and we look forward to being here next week. Always wonderful to have you. I can't wait. Uh, again, Rabbi Scobay of JewsforJudaism.ca, Jews for Judaism in Canada. Go there. There is so much more. If you like this, oh my goodness, friends, there's so much more on that website and, of course, the YouTube channel as well. Uh, Once again, on the menu, the top menu bar of truthtoyou.org, you'll see 365 Messianic Prophecies. Click on that and it will offer all the programs that we have done thus far if you have missed any of them. And uh, we're going to be getting into it again next week. So in the meantime, dear listeners, be blessed to be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom.